Welcome to a new episode of Career Buzz, the unique radio career conversations that empower lives, enrich careers, and energize organizations. Be inspired right here on CIUT 89.5 FM. Good morning and welcome to CIUT 89.5 FM. Thank you for joining me. Our program today is a Career Buzz production of Hoda's Career Info. In today's episode, we will discover a practical approach to career search and hear some thoughts on the digital economy. And be sure to stay tuned till the end of the episode to learn how our guest recruiter ensures the right fit between employer and employee needs as he talks about his challenging journey and his understanding of career well-being. I'm your host, Hora Kilani, Certified Professional Career Coach and Founder of Right Career Fit, a private practice committed to increase career literacy among Canada's youth. I am pleased to be your host today on Career Buzz, the show with the intention to empower lives, enrich careers, and energize organizations. I look forward to a season of career chats with international career professionals who will inspire you to take your journey to the next level. Thank you for tuning in this morning. Later on Career Buzz and CIUT 89.5 FM, you will meet talent acquisition recruiter Neil Barker. But first, I would like you to meet Jan Ellis. Passionate about the difference that career guidance can make, Jan has worked in the career development sector for over 40 years. She is a qualified careers advisor and has over 30 years executive level experience promoting the career development sector and growing related businesses. Stay tuned right here on CIUT 89.5 FM to benefit from Jan's 40 years experience in the career development world. I am your host, Hoda. Thank you for tuning in and joining me this morning. Welcome to Hoda's Career Info. I am thrilled today to have you, Jan Alice, as my guest all the way from the UK in this episode. I'm hoping you, we will get a chance to hear from you and hear about 40 years of experience in our short chat. Right away, your background it is loaded with experiences in the career guidance field. You've supported the career development field in many ways. And I was happy to see on your website that it also included starting your own business. But do you mind sharing with the audience some of your moments and highlights? Thank you. Well, thank you. First of all, thank you for inviting me. 40 years makes me feel pretty old. I have been around in the career guidance sector for a long time now, I suppose because I am passionate about the value of career guidance and have been since I left university. My, my first experience actually was not particularly good of career guidance and that's partly why I became a careers advisor I think because when I left university I went to visit the university careers service and 
I sort of thought I liked the job. I liked the look of what they did. It seemed very nice, a good way of marrying together an interest in education and an interest in business and employment. And I thought a good use of my time might be to take a year off and learn about lots of jobs because I feared that I couldn't help anybody if I hadn't actually experienced different types of work myself. So I spent a year working in hospitality and catering, working behind a bar, working in an office, working as a wages clerk, working in a department store for a while, doing lots of different jobs because I felt I needed to actually have some of that experience myself if I was ever going to advise others. And then I went and had another careers interview in my hometown And I can remember this interview very clearly because the person that was interviewing me, I felt was asking lots of very interesting questions, but she wasn't really getting to the the, the real, what was it about that I wanted to do? And she was very believing in what I said. She didn't really challenge me to explain more about my thoughts. And I really, that's what confirmed to me actually that I'd like to be a careers advisor because I just thought you're not really asking me the right questions in the right way. And maybe I could do this job and and that's what I should be doing. So that's really how I started down the trail of, of being a careers advisor was by actually going through the process and feeling that actually maybe I could do it at least as well as the person that was actually interviewing me then. And so I did a a one-year postgraduate course, which you could do in England at the time, in a college south of London, which was, again, different for me because I lived in the north of the country. And my first job was working in the Midlands in England in in an area that's not particularly well-off. It's quite deprived. And the choices for young people in those days were they either went and worked in a coal field, in a coal mine underground, or in a a hosiery mill making knitwear, machine knitwear, really, for big companies. And that was quite an eye-opening experience because the choices that the individuals I met had were very limited. They were limited by the opportunity structure around them, and they were limited by tradition and culture of their parents. Their parents or their fathers, in the case of the guys, had been down and worked in the mines and therefore they felt they should and couldn't see any way out of the situation. And even if they wanted to, at 16, 17, they didn't have the confidence to try something completely new and different. And from working in the north of England, I then moved to the south where it was completely different. There were lots of jobs. And I made a decision I wanted to work with students that had a chance of really getting on in life and and going to university. And I specialised in that for three years. And that was completely different. And I spent a lot of time travelling around, visiting different universities and giving guidance to students that really had a a future in the sense that they were the, the young up and coming things for tomorrow. I really enjoyed that work. And from that, I moved into adult guidance. I always thought I didn't want to do adult guidance. But what I really liked about working with adults was that they were so grateful for the support that you could give them. And they always said thank you. Young people don't say thank you. But the adults were really very grateful for the support that we could give them. And I enjoyed that work a lot. But then after that role, my job took me up the slippery ladder of management. And as you do more management activity, you see you see clients less, really. 
And I went on to become a senior manager in a big careers company. And I specialised in, in marketing, publishing, IT, and psychometric assessment of young people and adults using career software. So my, my career took a, a change away from working with individuals to really managing the careers business and aspects of the careers business. And I did that for a, a number of years until about 2009, when I was made redundant, which was a great salutary experience for me, very painful experience. But that's what led me to become self-employed and set up my own business, not wanting to ever be in that position again, when someone would, you know, tell me that my services were no longer required. So I worked for myself in the career sector, doing a lot of bid writing and business development for career companies, which I enjoyed up to a point, but found quite isolating and a lonely existence. It's also a bit feast and famine. When you have lots of work to do, you've really got your head down and you could be working five and six and seven days a week. And then there'd be lots of periods where you didn't have a lot of work on. So I, I didn't really like that all or nothing of, of being self-employed. But I was invited in 2009 to do some work for a professional body in England that actually sacked its manager at the time and invited me to come in and sort out the mess which I did. And that got me involved in the professional development of career professionals. And so when in the UK, uh, one single professional body was established that covered all of the profession, I saw the job advertised to be the chief executive of that applied. And that was my substantive role for the last eight years. It's only recently in the last two months that I've left that role and, and moved into something else. So in summary, really, I've worked in the public sector. I've worked for myself as self-employed and I've worked in the private sector. And I can honestly say there are advantages to all three and disadvantages. I really liked the support network around me in the public sector, but very aware that it's not funded as well as it might be. Training and development opportunities were great but there are also lots of hoops and hurdles you'd have to go through to make change, to effect change. Working in the private sector for myself as a, a self-employed person, okay, I had control of the many aspects of business, but I found that quite isolating. So pros and cons for that. And finally, working in the private sector, I've really enjoyed because I think you have to have a good understanding of economics and business, but also career development. And it's a way of blending the two together. But perhaps we'll unpick more of that during the interview and discussion. Yes, yes, we will for sure. And I just have to say, I love how you experienced a bit of everything <laughs> and now are able to share this with everyone listening and watching this. So I appreciate that. And wow, a great experience. This, sticking this one field and because many come from different fields to this career yeah. development field and so yours is definitely unique in that before we move on into more details I do have to do what I always do in the show is asking you to share a personal definition of a career term and you chose two which is perfect and career guidance and career development I cannot wait to hear your input and definitions of these terms 
I think my definitions of analysis of these terms is going to be very influenced by the way I've been trained and the environment in which I work within the UK. But I see career guidance as a process. It's a support service, a personal service associated with a non-directive approach to counselling, really there to support individuals to achieve their goals broadening aspirations, supporting individuals, which has a knock-on effect of helping economies to grow and societies to become fairer. So that's, that's my definition, really, of career guidance. I see it as strengthening the relationship between education, skills and employment. My second definition around is around career development which is a term that's been more used in the UK because career guidance is value loaded and it has some connotations in the UK that we would like to leave behind, but it's, it's rather dogged by negative perceptions. You're always in the danger if you say, I work in career guidance, of the person you're talking to saying, when I was at school, I had careers advice and it was awful. Or my careers advisor told me to become X, which was utterly unsuitable for me. So career guidance is a bit value loaded in the UK. And it's a term that sometimes we find it meets opposition and it creates perceptions in people's minds that we were rather weren't there. So we often use the term career development instead of career guidance. I like to think I'm a career development professional. And, and it's interesting that I'm also part of an international group, a peak body group, and we had a meeting only this week and we were talking to colleagues in New Zealand who are also using the term career development professional going forward. So I'm wondering if this is something that, that's going to catch on in the global career guidance and development community. I like the term career development because it, it emphasises that development and process. I do think career guidance is a process and as such, it, it should be a lifelong process. I'm a big believer in lifelong career development and lifelong learning and an all age guidance and all age emphasis, really, that it's not a career guidance or career development isn't just for young people. It's for adults and it should be there throughout our working lives as something we can all access when we need it. So to some extent, the terms are interchangeable. And I, I'm making reference, I suppose, to a position in the UK that career guidance sometimes has negative connotations because of people's own experiences. And so we're trying to use the term career development. And certainly within the profession, we refer to ourselves as career development professionals rather than career guidance professionals. So a lifelong service, really, supporting people to achieve their goals and ambitions but it has a great value to society as well because of the influence it has in supporting economies to grow and societies to become fairer. I love how you combine career guidance with career development. And you're right, when I think of career guidance, I'm thinking of high school. But at the end of the day, career development is, is career guidance. We are using career development as well in Canada a lot. I don't know the reason if it's to stay away from career guidance, 
but it's still used in schools. And so that would be interesting for me to look up and see what's happening. I do identify as a community development professional and you know, many of in our it's community. It's the same skills, isn't it? We're using the same skills, but the, the terminology of guidance is more used with young people. But I think when you're talking to adults, you're probably talking more in a coaching way too around career development and developing your skills and moving to the next role. But it's it's all a continuum, really. Yes, and, and lifelong, as you mentioned. Yes. It's so important oh, to keep that key Really word. important yeah. for me that it is a lifelong process and an all-age process. It's not just something for young people. It should be accessible throughout your, your life. Absolutely. I'm your host, Hoda. Welcome and thank you for tuning in this morning. My guest today is Career Development Specialist Jan Alice. And you are listening to a Career Buzz production of Hoda's Career Info on CIUT 89.5 FM in Toronto and worldwide at CIUT.FM. Up next on Hoda's Career Info, Jan Alice shares her realist approach to career guidance and her thoughts on the digital economy. I would love to hear back from you and hear your thoughts on what was discussed. From our chat, I gathered that you are a realist in your approach to career guidance. And I am going to use the hair stylist example that we talked about in that if I were a client back in the day when you're doing the one-on-one services and I came to you and I said, Jan, I really want to be a hairstylist. How would you suggest I approach this career path in a market that is saturated with hairstylists? And it could be any other career. I think it's a, it's a very difficult one, but I would firmly, I'm of the firm belief that we shouldn't be giving career guidance in a vacuum. There are many theories of career guidance, aren't there, that we all get taught as part of our training. And, and when I was going through that training, one of the ones that stuck in my mind a lot was one that referred to the opportunity structure. So you can't give career guidance in a vacuum. I think that's sometimes what gives career guidance practitioners or careers advisors a bad name because they go along with what a young person or an adult is saying they want to do without sufficiently challenging it or providing the realism as to what the opportunity structure is like. So for the example of a hairdresser or a hairstylist, I would want to be honest with the client, which might be a bit challenging and scary, but the reality is in my high street, there are tens of hairdressers and it's a highly competitive area to go into and perhaps it's a good idea to think about other careers as well where you could use the skills and the things that interest you about being a hairstylist in a slightly different way because the market is saturated with hairstylists and the job opportunities are relatively limited so think what it is about that hairstylist role that you really like And let's look at how we could use those skills and look at the jobs that might be in demand both now and in the future using some of the same skills. So I think as a a career professional, we owe it to our clients to be honest and realistic around job opportunities 
and the labour market structure. And giving informed guidance is really important, I think. It's highly ethical and very unethical not to do that. I appreciate you taking me on in this example, because today, as you mentioned in your background, you're taking on bigger roles, ones that involve bigger pictures. And so your recent positions are now stepping away from that one-on-one -on -one services that I provide. So I do appreciate that. But there is a term trending, the new economy right now. I'd like to pick your brain. What are your thoughts on it? Because it is believed, or it's always been said, that it is the driving force of economic growth and productivity. And I'd love your thoughts on that term. I think some of the talk about the new digital economy and artificial intelligence and the impact that that's going to have on the economy and jobs and careers presents a binary picture. It's good or bad. Uh, whereas the realism is the world is a shade of grey. And as many jobs as we're going to lose through the new economy and working digitally, many more jobs are going to be created, but they're perhaps going to be slightly different and require different skills. So I think it fits in well with the concept of, of lifelong learning and lifelong career development. It's a bit unrealistic to enter a career at the age of 18 or 19 and expect to do that throughout the whole of one's working life. I think we've got to be smart. And just as the speed of economic change is ramping up, we've probably also got to recognise that we're going to have to change our jobs and careers throughout our working life to keep a pace with that change. So the reality for many people is that, yes, they are going to have to upskill throughout their working lives. And sadly, although some young people leave school thinking, that's it, school is over, I don't have to do any more learning, that is just not going to be the case going forward. We're all going to be learning increasingly, taking on new skills and new ways of working throughout our lives to keep ourselves economically effective, I think. So, yes, there is a lot of talk about the new economy, which will require new skills, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just that there's no such thing as a job for life. And we're all going to have to keep rapidly learning new skills and changing in our own careers. And I think even career professionals are a good example of that. My career started out in one way, doing one to one guidance. But I'm so passionate about the sector. I've kept my career in the career sector, doing many different types of jobs. I've had to learn new skills along the way. I went back to university for a year and did a master's degree when just before I was started to work for myself. So all the way through the, my career, I've been changing and morphing as opportunities change and, and come up. So I think the canny individual is going to be doing that too going forward. So the new economy will bring forward new skills and people will change and grow and adapt because that's what they'll have to do as the economy goes forward. I think Does that this make brings, sense? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And it takes us back to the, the word you used at the beginning. I think you said it was a process. So it's yeah. not like we get a job and settle in. It's, it's a process that we have to continue professionally developing to get to. and that's our responsibility careers development is an individual responsibility too as well as looking for support externally 
it's up to all of us, whatever our backgrounds, to plan and develop those career management skills that will see and support us throughout our working lives. And that's a lot of the work that career development professionals are trying to do. It's not just about employability skills, but it's also about supporting people to develop their own career management skills that they'll use throughout their lives. I'm very happy that you brought that up because there is still that thought in that career guidance or career development is all about finding the next job. But like you said, we are helping you develop skills as well and, and move mm -hmm. forward in your career. I've got one last question for you, and it is about your recent position with QDIS Education. I just want to say a little bit about it. It is an innovative organization that is introducing a new concept in the career education services industry in the UK. So it would be cool for you to share with us what drew you to QDOS Education and what are you hoping to achieve by taking on this role? Well, thank you. It's my current soapbox subject, so I can talk for a long time on this one. What I like about what I'm doing now is it really is the private sector supporting public sector and public service. So QDOS Education is part of a property management group, which some career professionals will scratch their heads and say, property management? What's that got to do with career development? Well, if I say the ambition of QDOS education is to build 160 QDOS career hubs in, in England over the next five years, that will help to make some of the join up between the concept of a, a building company and career development. And the building company I'm working for is looking to create a legacy, really. They, they're very expert in building design, very modern design. But they also recognize the problems in the labor market because they are working construction and how difficult it is to get skilled workers, bricklayers, joiners, metal workers, electricians, all those skilled craft careers. So what we're aiming to do through QDOS Education is establish place and space that will be devoted to career guidance activities. And that's what the hubs are about. And we are working particularly in areas of deprivation in England at the moment to establish these new QDOS hubs, which will house career development professionals, career advisors, who will be there to provide both career education, so taught sessions around career education activities and concepts of employability and career management, if you like, but very much involving employers in the process. Because I see the hubs as a sort of part of the pipeline, if you like, for supporting people into work and into new jobs. So people will be able to use the hubs, adults and young people, because we support that concept of lifelong career development, to come in, take part in any of the sessions we're running along the lines of employability skills and career management skills. But also if they wish to have individual career guidance sessions as well with qualified practitioners to help them on those career journeys. So it's, it's, a, new, it's a pretty unique idea. You can't have pretty unique, can you? It's unique or it's not unique. It's a unique idea in England at the moment that we are investing in that infrastructure that local authorities and central government at the moment cannot afford 
or have chosen not to invest in, it's the, the investment is coming from the private sector. And we are funding these new career hubs for two years, by which time the aim is the sustainability element is that the partners working in the hub, the local authorities and the employers and the higher education institutions and the further education institutions and the adult education people will all come together and will continue to fund the ongoing revenue costs of the hubs after two years. So it's it's a fantastic opportunity where a private sector organisation has said, we recognise the problem. We can see what you need is unique place and space for career guidance. There's nowhere where you can go in England at the moment to get that. So we will help pump prime the idea by establishing the centres. But after a few years, you'll have to find a way in each local area to continue the funding. So it's a really exciting project. I've only been working with them since the beginning of June. We've got our planning permission for our first new career hub in the north of England and about 17 others in different stages of negotiation over land or going through planning permissions with local authorities and that sort of thing. So I'm really excited that over the next couple of years, we'll really be making a difference because my own personal mission, you having said I've been in the sector for 40 years, my my personal mission now is to revolutionise how career guidance services are provided in England a universal service that anybody can access because I just think it's so important to support people's lifelong career development. It is a unique project and I am I don't know have you gotten into the details like would anyone just be out of a job can come in is that the plan or? Yes yes during the day we will be running sessions for schools, so schools will be able to bus young people in, in year groups or class sizes. In the evenings, I want the hubs to be open some evenings every week because that makes them more accessible for adults, but also so we can run career clubs in the evenings for young people. I'd like them to be open for the weekend for some of the days, but importantly in what has traditionally been the school holidays, because in England we have a very education-based model of career guidance. You can get it when you're in school, you can't get it when you're not. And it's not easy to access when you're not in school. So we want this to be a service that's there for the community, for adults and young people to make use of. But really important are the strong links with employers because it's that the the chain is that we will be providing and contributing to the pipeline of informed employees, really, for the future, an informed workforce for the future. Well, I am super excited by this project. I will be watching it and see how it develops because I would say as employers, they would want to be involved so that, you know, they would get the right skills right away from employees. So very exciting project. And I can't wait to see how it evolves and maybe take it globally after that. (laughs) Thank you. And I, these are all the questions I've had for you today prepared. Was there anything else you would like to add or you were hoping I would ask you about, but I didn't? No, no, I think that's been great. And it's a, a sort of overview of the things I've done in my life to try and make a difference as a career practitioner. And I'm very keen to keep doing that. 
and what a role model you are. I hope everyone listening will pick up on some of these roles that you have taken and get passionate about, about career development. Thank you so much for your time, Jan. Thank you. Good morning. If you have just joined us, you are listening to Career Buzz on CIUT 89.5 FM in Toronto and worldwide at CIUT.FM. Stories show that who you are matters. I am your host, Hoda. Before continuing on with today's show, I would like to remind you about CareerBuzz's other episodes of Inspiring Career Stories. To check them out, go to careercycles.com and click podcast or subscribe to the podcast CareerBuzz on your favorite podcast app. And do leave us a review. For more career info, have a listen to past episodes, including my career chat with CareerBuzz host, Mark Franklin. My next guest in today's episode of Hoda's Career Info is talent acquisition and technical recruiting professional at Nova Networks, Neil Barker. Neil has experience sourcing, screening, interviewing, and hiring IT professionals at all levels of their careers. Neil's past experience includes spending a decade abroad living and working in South Korea, working in ESL, training and development, and global HR before returning back to Canada in 2014 and taking on his role as a talent acquisition professional. Join me and hear Neil share his story working abroad and transitioning back to Canada. Thank you, Neil Barker, for joining me today on Hoda's Career Info. We have been talking about having this career conversation for some time, and so much has happened since we first met during the pandemic, the beginning of the pandemic. So I am glad that now I get to ask you the questions I've been wanting to ask and give you your first challenge that you chose to take on, and which is, which is sharing a personal definition of a key term that today reflects the work that you do. For me, like a, a key term, I would say really challenging but yeah I would say like I like the idea of like a career fit like especially as a recruiter and I do have a background in job development I I did a one-year contract earlier but I like that idea of career fit so as a recruiter when I'm working with applicants and candidates moving them through the hiring process I try to get a sense like what what does this person look for as a career fit like what are they trying to look for in their next role and is it a good match for one of the roles that I'm currently recruiting for or my organization is recruiting for so I like that idea of a career fit and then sort of help somebody along in their journey in their career so well thank you for taking on this challenge and perhaps we should have asked you the first question first this second question is a bit of your background so the audience listening and watching can know where you come from because you you're not a career coach you're a recruiter and so I am excited to have you and share your perspective but before can you share your story and the message you'd like to share by being here on this show okay sure 
So I'd say like most of my professional career, I started in training and development. This is, I was living outside of Canada at the time, South Korea. So I was working as a, like a training instructor for an engineering company. So I had a couple of years of that with the engineering company, preparing mostly Korean engineers and business development people for overseas assignments outside of South Korea. They were going all over the world. It was mostly like, like Middle East, North Africa, and Southeast Asia, a lot of the engineering projects. So a lot of it was helping them with like cultural, cross-cultural communications, like understanding cultural background of different countries where they were going to be dispatched to, and then helping them with their own communication skills to bring it up to a level where they could be understood by locals or other expats working in those locations. So I did that for a few years, and then I transferred companies to one of the divisions, one of the Samsung company divisions. And similar role, I did that for a year, and then I focused more on internally where this division I was working with, they were hiring expats from outside of South Korea. So they were hiring like Americans, British, people from really all over the world, from like also Middle East, from... India, Pakistan, Southeast Asia, Malaysia, Indonesia, bringing them into South Korea to work at the headquarters for typically one to three year contract with the understanding that they would be retained as an employee, but also dispatched back to their local region to work as like project managers and work more integrated with the company. So for me, I saw a lot of the challenges bringing the expats into South Korea, the company and the apartments I was working for, they weren't really prepared for that. So there was a lot of mismatch and miscommunications. So I saw like, oh, like I want to fix this. I want to help this because I'd hate to lose the talent that they were bringing in. And then, you know, would send a bad message about the organization is not prepared. So I really saw, hey, like I can help with this rather than focus on the domestic staff who are being dispatched out. Let's focus on improving the systems and processes and procedures for expats we're bringing in. And then we can get a lot more level set between the organization. So I did that for a few years. And then I'd already been in Korea for, I guess, it was, I was going on my 11th year. So I was like, oh, I'm, I want to go back to Canada. I'm getting kind of tired. So, so, and then I returned to Canada and then I did a, my first real active job was a job developer, a maternity leave contract cover that I did. So it was more like on that employer services side of things. So I did that for a year. It was very interesting because it still, I could use that recruiter and HR aspect, but it was more from the client side, meaning the, the job seeker. So I could help them from their perspective, which I really, I really sympathize. And I like that perspective because I want to help them get that career fit. Like, oh, let's work you on some skills maybe you need. And I can help you on your job search, your resume, and get a sense of what you're really looking for. And let's look for those opportunities out there. And then I would be in touch with employers on that side and say, hey, I have a good client. Let's match. And then we can maybe do a placement. So I did that for a year. And then I moved kind of back into the traditional HR recruiting aspect. So I did a, I've done a couple different recruiting jobs in Ontario, mostly. And that's where I am today. I'm at a, a company now doing recruitment mostly on the operations side. So meaning mostly people who this may be an entry level position for them, or it's a skilled labor position, or they're maybe, you know, just one to five years into their career. 
So I, I do get to see that chance where I see somebody who there's, there may be just a year out, year out of uh, high school or college. And then this is their first real professional full-time permanent job. So, so I, I do get to use that job developer employment counseling aspect that I done a couple of years ago and, and help them like, Hey, like we, we provide this or this opportunity to move in the organization. These are the skills you might need to move forward and move up in the organization. So, so um, that's where I am today. I am your host, Hoda Kilani. Welcome and thank you for tuning in this morning. My guest is talent acquisition recruiter, Neil Barker. And you are listening to a Career Buzz production of Hoda's Career Info on CIUT 89.5 FM in Toronto and worldwide at CIUT.FM. Up next, Neil Barker shares tips on the value of adaptability and transferable skills in any role. So coming back to Canada, you took on what I view as a challenge because you got into the cannabis field, which is yeah. relatively a new officially. Anyway, it's a new field, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so what are your thoughts on the cannabis industry right now in Canada mm-hmm. in particular? But if you would like to offer more, that'd be great as well. For sure. So as I see it now, it, there's a lot of like consolidation, I would think, like across a lot of organizations because and this is all in small, medium, and large size. Like I'm one of the, I'm in one of the larger organizations in Canada. But what's happening is they grew so fast, and there still is that aspect. Like it almost feels like a startup in a sense. It's not really a startup anymore. It's kind of more into mature organization. But there still is that struggle, where not all the processes are are fixed yet, or are or even set in place. So there is that challenging aspect of it and it is a there is a lot of volatility in it right now just because of the economics and the price and everything and it is still you're relatively new for being in Canada it still is relatively new being as a legal product so and then there are different regulations that affect the economics of it kind of controlled province by province there's different rules so we have to be mindful of that where I work in terms of recruiting or even job postings where, cause we do operate in the United States as well. In a few select States, we actually have operations and manufacturing. So there is a, like a lot of difference. Like I know in our job postings, for example, in Denver, Colorado, we have an operation in Denver, Colorado. And in Colorado, it's the state law that you have to post the job salary for the job posting. Like, there's no choice. You can't post and not have a job. So it has to be on the job posting. Whereas like we operate also in California, we don't have to post it there. It's not law. In Ontario, we don't have to. And for us, like for not, like I would prefer to post it, but the way the organization is, they're not doing that right now, as are the competition. They're not doing that right now. So we're kind of following the industry, but hopefully we can get to that point where it would be publicly posted. Well, thank you for sharing some of these challenges because it is a new industry, as you said, particularly mm-hmm. for us here in Canada and trying to figure mm-hmm. out the provinces too with their own regulations is, is definitely another challenge for you. 
So for anyone who is interested, I guess, in getting a role in this industry and part of what you hire for, of course, you said more of the entry-level positions. Mm -hmm. uh, what are the significant skills that you say, like, this is, these are important, these skills are important, and this is what I'm looking for, for, for sure. the industry? So yeah, like like those frontline roles where it would be working in the facilities. So like I'm I'm focused I'm focused a lot on we would call them a processing assistant. So this is working with the product that's already been grown. So we've already worked out the dried cannabis, or it's in an oil form, or it's in a chocolate, or or a gummy like a little gummy candy or a drink. So on that sense, like we're looking for somebody who's adaptable because the way the the economics are and the demand on certain products like we will have to shift manufacturing to where the sales are because the sales are not static like for example in beverages we may see increase in demand so we'll have to be able to move people from let's say our packaging line over to the beverages because we'll say oh our sales are increasing 10 percent over here we're going to anticipate demand in the next few months so we're going to need more people so it's it, for us it's much easier pull resource, pull people off of certain lines and move them over kind of they, so that adaptability is important and just being open to learning new things, which kind of goes with adaptability because there will be that, that need where they'll have to move and learn different skills. Maybe, you know, for a few months working, you know, on a production line where they're doing packaging, stamping, labeling, and getting ready to send things out onto the warehouse to moving over to beverages where they're packaging up the, the cannabis infused beverages. And then a few months later, we, we may see another need in another part of the production facility and we'll have to move some resources to some people over there. So that, that's really important for entry level, those frontline roles as somebody who's familiar or at least open to a manufacturing type environment and is interested and keen on learning different skill sets so they'll be able to move across to different lines. Definitely, this industry also then reflects most of the skills that we're always talking about. And then first one is adaptability for sure. And the other one is really about lifelong learning in that you don't think you got one thing, now you're going to move to something else and learn something new. So these are good skills to hear about for sure. And I do have one final question for you, Neil, and that's, so what are some of the ideas going through your mind? What would you like career coaches or job seekers, whoever you choose to talk to right now, to know about this industry or about the progress of this industry? Sure. So, yeah, I, I think that, like, one thing to know is, is if you're not familiar with the industry, is there's, is is to not think of it as just the grow side. Like people typically think cannabis, oh, well, you grow plants, and then that's it. <laughs> but it's, it's, really, it's really like you would see it as an industry sector, as that CPG, the consumer packaged goods. So like a food product, it really is like, a, well, it is controlled through Health Canada, but it is a, con a consumer packaged good, a CPG. So, and that's how we categorize ourselves. And we continue to talk about as a CPG, like chocolate bar, potato chips or granola or oatmeal like that. It really is like that. So if you think of it from that mindset, it opens up so many more possibilities because if you think, oh, it's plants and I'm not really good at growing plants or I'm not interested in that. But if you think of it as like a manufacturing and production environment, 
because there's so much beyond that. Like there's supply chain, inventory control, warehouse, laboratory, QA. There's so much to it. There's computer support that is supporting all of that production. Um, like some of the other frontline roles that I hire for are like skilled labor, like millwrights, HVAC technicians. Like I've got a lot of those too that I'm, I'm hiring for. So there is that whole aspect of it is, I would say it's important to think about that beyond just the plant. Although we're always looking for people who are good growing, but that whole support system that, that comes after the plants are grown. I would say that that's one thing to think about and, and look at the career opportunities for that as well. This is very good advice and information to learn about because yes, the probably the initial thinking is okay, it's it's the growth and where do right. they have the growth and the plant side of it. So thank you so much for sharing this. And these were all the questions I have for you today. Neil, was there anything else you wanted to add? Something that you had you were thinking, oh, I want to talk about this today, but I didn't ask you about. No, I don't think so. But I think like we discussed, like that adaptability for job seekers for this industry or, or any. It's just looking at your adaptability and your transferable skills that you can bring. I would always highlight those because for recruiters, that's what we're looking for. Is like what skills transfer over from somebody's past experience. Maybe they're not experienced in the industry. What can they bring over? And I'd say that adaptability and think about it that way. Thank you so much for your time, Neil. And I look forward to further collaborations in 2022. Yeah, thank you. Thanks again. You've been listening to Hoda's Career Info on Career Buzz, Canada's unique radio conversation that empowers lives, enriches careers, and energizes organizations. Right here on CIUT 89.5 FM in Toronto and worldwide online at CIUT.FM. I am your host, Hoda Kilani, and you can find out more about me at rightcareerfit.com. Please remember, that you can also watch Hoda's Career Info on YouTube. The other hosts of Career Buzz are Mark Franklin and Stephen Armstrong. If you have any comment on today's show or would like an opportunity to talk about your work, you can send me a direct message on my website, writecareerfit.com, where you can also sign up for my newsletter to stay up to date on the latest episodes. You can also email me at writecareerfit at shaw.ca or at careerbuzz at ciut.fm. A special thank you goes to my guests, Jan Ellis and Neil Barker, for supporting my mission to increase career literacy and for supporting you in your career journey. You can connect with Jan Ellis and Neil Barker on LinkedIn. An MP3 of today's show is available in the podcast section of careercycles.com. Remember, you can catch Career Buzz every Wednesday at 11 a.m. right here on CIUT 89.5 FM. Also, remember to subscribe to Career Buzz on your favorite podcast app 
or you can find it at the podcast link on getyourcycles.com. The views, information, and or opinions expressed during this series are solely those of the guests involved and do not necessarily represent an endorsement from the series provider. That's it for today's episode of Career Buzz and Hoda's Career Info. Oh, and just a reminder that up next on CIUT 89.5 FM is an afternoon with Music with G.B. Hawks. Until then, I will leave you to enjoy a piece of music titled Club by partially deaf musician from Toronto, Andrew Wang. Thank you for listening to Hodes Kidded Info. Until next time, stay focused and keep moving in productive ways. Thank <laughs> you.